In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. These are God's words. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that we're not just reading about some Jewish rabbi that lived and died 2,000 years ago. But as we read and we engage with our hearts and our minds and our very souls, Father, I pray that we are introduced to the articulated message of the Son of the living God. God, would you do something holy? Would you do something new in our lives today? Give us ears to hear in your name. Amen. So, this sermon is called The Word of Life. The Word of Life. And not only is it The Word of Life, but um, our sermon series is called So You May Have Life. John, um, in his gospel, John chapter 20, verse 31, it says this. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay. So John, at the very end of his gospel, tells his audience who it is, what he is trying to do in the gospel. He's saying, I am writing this not for my generation, not in the generation to come, but I am doing things for, um, to speak of Jesus of who, um, to, speak of, to speak of Jesus of who it is all about. So in John chapter 20, he says, I am writing this book so that people might believe. The very point of John writing this gospel is he's after you. So if you don't believe in Jesus or you're doubting who Jesus is, he's saying, I'm trying to get you saved by my testimony, by the person, the logos, the word that I put my head on the very shoulder of this person. I want you to believe. Well, then secondly, he says, and by you believing and knowing the revelation of Jesus Christ, you may have life. Jesus constantly was saying, if you would know me, I am the life. That you would actually be lit up and revealed of what your life should be as. So John, right away, is he saying, I'm after you. I want you to know the message of God. But knowing the message of God doesn't just give you some data transfer. It doesn't just give you some knowledge. It doesn't give you just some, a little bit of understanding. What it gives you is it gives you transformation that your life will be wrapped around Jesus who is life. So um, let's say you woke up one morning in a hospital bed and you had an IV in your arm. Imagine you regained consciousness. They had you on some, some, some sort of thing that made you woozy and you woke up. 
and you notice that you're not alone in the room and you're in this hospital bed and maybe it's a room like this and let's say it's, it's a room just like this and in this room um, it was all closed off. You could have, you had no windows. You couldn't see anything in there and you're just awake. You just wake up. And you can't remember anything else before that room. It is almost if your memory was erased. And neither can anyone else that is in the room. So there's other people. So we're all in this room. We're all in hospital beds. And we can't see out. We don't know anybody else. We have our brains erased. So we don't even know anything else but being in this room. So this is a thought experiment, right? And so we're here. This isn't real. This is a thought experiment. And you can't remember anything else before that room. And neither can anyone else. And you slowly move away from your bed. And you start exploring. And questions start flying. So you're in here and you don't know anything. You wake up, you're looking at people, and the only thing that you can do is communicate with one another. And you're trying to figure out where am I, who am I. You're asking some, some questions of understanding yourself, and everyone else is the same as you. All people in this room's memory had been erased, and we only know what is in this room. And we all decide in the room to only accept the reality that is in this room. Right? So we're in this room, and we're just realizing, like, well, if we're going to get something connected, we're going to have to be able to communicate with each other. So let's not think about anything else but this room. So maybe we take a chair, and we take this chair, and we drop the chair. And when we drop the chair, we realize something called gravity. And everyone's kind of looking, and we're like, okay, we're accepting that when we pick something up, it drops, and that's gravity. And then not only that, but we learn that when we drop these chairs, if we drop them on a person's foot that something happens to where the person starts jumping up and down, grabbing their foot, and hurting. And so we start realizing, okay, so something happens when the gravity falls and it hits the person's foot, that there's something of pain. And so we have like a, a concept of gravity, we have a concept of pain, but then we realize that people aren't liking chairs being dropped on their foot. And so we start learning about sociology, and we start learning about how people want to be treated, and we don't want people to be treated in a certain kind of way. And we start understanding more and more what is happening. So some of the people say, okay, we're kind of understanding what's going on. We're not going to think about anything else but that. But then some, I don't know what it is, but some of them started dreaming. And when they started dreaming, they're dreaming that there was a reality outside of that room. And so they're dreaming of this reality that's outside of the room. And they said, we're really a part of just a big, we're just a part of a big block of cheese. And we're just in here, and outside is a big block of cheese. And then there's another person, and they said they had a dream, and they said, no, we're not a block of cheese. We, there's a whole bunch of chocolate out there, and that's what's in these things. But we're having a fight now of people that believe that, that, the, that the world outside is made of chocolate, one's made of cheese. But then there's a bunch of people saying, hey, 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 let's just think about what's happening inside this room, right inside a field work where there's nothing else. And then, all of a sudden, somebody bursts in from the outside and says, you've been a part of a thought experiment at Everwell Church. Get out of here because Josh is weird and crazy. And, you know, get, get out of here. And you listen to the person. It's a police officer. And you hear his words and you leave out and, 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 and you go out and you realize that there's a whole new reality. Okay, this illustration is actually truth. Because you're here right now. And you're saying, I don't know what's on the other side of the curtain. I don't know what's on the other side of what life is. 
And so there's a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people that have their vague ideas. You know, the, you know when we get to heaven, there's going to just be, you know, little fat cherubs, you know, playing harps. And that's what heaven's going to be like. And other people are talking about, no, 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 this is how heaven's going to be like. Or some people are saying, don't live for heaven. Live for here and now, like John Lennon said, right? Imagine if there's no heaven or hell. Let's just, let's just talk about what's here. However, if there is a human being that comes from the outside and is qualified to talk about what's in the outside, and the things of what he says transforms 2,000 years, that there's more books written about this person, more music sung about this person, more artwork drawn of this person, that when he talks, he truly has a word of life, that no one else has talked like a man like this, does he qualify for us to believe that there's more than just this room. This is the truth of life. We're all looking and saying, okay, we're understanding what gravity is. We're understanding that we suffer and we have pain. We're understanding that we shouldn't hurt other people, and then we stop. Or some dream and say, no, 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 you need to have breathing techniques. No, 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 you need to start doing this type of thing. No, 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 you need to find romance and love. No, you need to do all these. And someone that is qualified from the outside says, you're getting it all wrong. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Life is not in the things that you can accumulate and, 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 and the monetary value that you can bring to your life, but, but it's about serving others. Loving people that are our enemy. That when, that when someone drops a chair on your foot, you don't drop a chair back on their foot, but you, you, you give them love instead. Right? And so that is, that is the qualify. And so John, the disciple that Jesus loved, they, 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 they don't know who this could be. This could be John Zebedee, you know, James and John, right? And, and, and it could have been... Um, John, the disciple that we always hear that Jesus loved, it could be him, but it could also be a, a later character called John the Elder. So we believe, I believe, that it was the disciple that Jesus loved, the one that saw him afar off when Peter saw and jumped into the water and went after the Lord Jesus. And the Gospel of John is different than the other Gospels. So, so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, okay? And they call this as a fancy name called synoptic the Synoptics Gospels, because they're all kind of looking at the same events of Jesus, just in a different way. John is way different. So Matthew, Matthew was talking about the kingliness of Jesus, right? Jesus is king, because it was important for his readers, as, as Jewish people, to know the lineage of Jesus. And then you have Mark, and Mark looked at Jesus as a suffering servant. And then, and that was actually Peter's account. And then there was Luke, and Luke was a physician. He was a Greek, he was a Gentile. And Luke was looking at Jesus as a man. And that's why in Luke, you just hear him constantly say, the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. But John is so different. Because John sees Jesus as God. He sees Jesus as God. And not only does he see Jesus as God, but he's wanting you to believe so that you may have life. So Do you guys want life? Yeah. Do you guys want life? Not, not the life that we've been living right now, right? Not this life that is fading and sagging and not working. <laughs> this isn't a life. The life is this, this laughter. This life is talking about Jesus who set us free. 
that this life is mercy and grace and the Holy Spirit. So three things today, if you're taking notes. One, Jesus the start. Jesus the start. Secondly, and we're going to look at one, uh, chapter one, uh, John 1, 1 through 2. And then Jesus the starter. And then Jesus the star. Jesus the start. Jesus the starter. And then Jesus the star. You see how I did that? S-T-A-R. Just keep it in there. So let's read John chapter 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. This poem, this almost song that, that, that flows off our lips, it's almost one of the most simplest Greek verses. In Greek, it's so simple. However, how profound and how weighty and how, qual- how the quality of this verse just should, should, should be like a thing to where you read it, it just kind of falls into you, but it, it flows and it, it goes off the tongue so quickly. I, I, would, I would wish that John 1, 1 through 5 is something that you would try to memorize. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So three things that we see with Jesus to start. First is that Jesus exists. If we are going to follow after Jesus, who is the Word of life, we need to know if he qualifies to be the person that can give life. Because if he doesn't qualify, then we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't believe in the words that he says. So how do we find out if he qualifies? Well, first, me growing up, um, one of the things that I really thought, it was basically my motto. My motto was this, then is the new now. Then is the new now. I realized when I was like in junior high that if I wanted to be cool, if I wanted to kind of know what is going to be coming next, I didn't look forward to the thing that was coming next. I would look backwards because I would realize that everything is circular. So I would constantly, if I heard a band that I really like, I'd be like, that band is getting their sound from somebody else. And I would search, I would go on this thing called allmusic.com. And on allmusic.com, it was an awesome website because when I would go on it, I would put in a band I'd like and it would say, here's their influences. Here's bands that sound like them. And then I would take theirs and I'd be like, where are they getting this sound? And I'd keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And I was obsessed with doing it. And then I would get into like Bob Dylan. I would get into all these different kinds of things because I was like so fascinated to get to the very root of where the purest sound comes from. Then, when I grew up a little bit more and I realized that I wasn't gonna be a, a great musician like Danny, right? I decided to start doing that with books and theology and philosophy. So I'd read something by Pastor Chuck and I was like, where's Chuck getting that? And then Chuck's getting that from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Where's Martin Lloyd-Jones getting that? Oh, Martin Lloyd-Jones is getting that from Calvin and Luther. Oh, where's Martin Calvin? Oh, he's getting that from Athanasius. Oh, where is he getting that? Oh, Athanasius got that from Jesus. Right? Then is the new now. So when we're trying to find he who is the one that qualifies for giving life, we have to go back. Who's at the start? Who is at the very beginning? Who? Oh my goodness. C.S. Lewis said this. Heaven is a song that we're born remembering. The reason why a child starts crying when it takes its first breath is it wants to go back. (laughs) And we try with all of our might to continue to find heaven in different things. It's not enough. Our job, our family, success, 
Is this the heaven? And we're constantly crying. We're constantly waiting for us to hear that tune once again. Jesus is the very beginning. In the beginning was the word. Jesus exists. Jesus, it says this, in the beginning was. That's an existential um, statement. And you're like, what does that mean? It doesn't matter. Just let me say it, okay? <laughs> Any big words, you can Google it later. But an existential argument is this. Why is there something rather than nothing? We're all here, we think. Some of you guys are like thinking about the football game. Your mind is over there. Why is there something rather than nothing? That's a huge point that a lot of people can't answer. My answer is, there is something because of Jesus. He existed. It says that he was in the beginning. He existed before time began. He existed before we saw matter. He was already there. He was called the word of life. That word, word means logos. The logic, the wisdom of God. See, words are interesting things because words reflect. They, they are the same as your mind, but it is distinct from what you say. So if I said something like this, my name is Josh, that is a very true statement. If you call me Bill, I'm not going to listen to you. You call me Josh, I'm going to go, hello, right? My name is Josh. I'm saying those words. They are distinct, but they are reflecting what's in my mind and my will. God the Father speaks, let there be light. And that light was the light of men. Wow. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he was there at the start. Guys, I have to show you something that was blowing my mind this week about the Logos. I have to. Proverbs 8. Turn, uh, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. Proverbs chapter 8, 22. Okay, when he talks about logic or the, the, the wisdom, see, the Greeks knew that every perfect thing had a perfect thought. This thing, someone had a thought to make this thing and have it all set up. So they had a perfect thought, and this came to be. The Hebrews brought up a further step. For every perfect thought, there must be a perfect thinker. Okay? This is the logos that we're talking about, the perfect thinker. Now, we can say that the word of God is the logos or the very wisdom of God. And this is a thing that is so cool. Proverbs 8. If you're a Proverbs person... You're just going to be like, wait, the Gospels and the Proverbs? I always knew I liked reading a chapter a day to keep the devil away. Um, verse 22. The Lord, and it says right here, if you're reading an ESV, possessed. But in the original Hebrew, that word possessed means fathered. Okay, listen to this. The Lord fathered me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields and the first of the dust of the world, when he establishes the heavens, I was there, when he draw a circle on the face of the deep. Christians always knew that the earth was round. BT dubs. 
when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates waiting beside my doors listen to this for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor favor oh by the way that word favor means grace grace from the lord but he who fails to find me injures himself all who hate me love death. Okay. How about that verse? The Lord fathered me at the beginning of his work. The logos, the wisdom of God at the very beginning. He created all these things. He is the reason for all things. He was at the start, it says in Proverbs. So one, we see he exists. Jesus is the logos. He is the word He is the very wisdom, just as God has the thoughts and his words are distinct, right? There's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we learn later, we're going to learn next week, that the Logos became flesh and he dwelt with us. It's the point he's driving to, and I didn't want to forget that. Secondly, Jesus is equal with God. In the beginning, with. He is not in the beginning, God created the Logos, he's not created. He was with him. This is huge. The reason why the Pharisees wanted to murder Jesus, the reason why the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus is because he was claiming to be equal with God. He said, before Abraham, I was. That frustrated them. That freaked them out. They knew with their Hebrew ears that he was comparing himself with God. Everyone says, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. When he said he was with God, he was claiming that he was equal with God. And there was many people, many heretics, that almost the whole, these heretics had the whole world tripped into believing that Jesus was created. Except one man, I, think, I believe it was Athanasius, who, um, and if I'm wrong, you guys can send me mean uh, messages later. And he stood firm that he was equal and distinct. He is the second in the Trinity. Jesus was present with God. This doesn't make Jesus an inactive agent in the story in the beginning. But proof of Jesus' position is equal with and to the Father. He was in relationship with God the Father. So think about this. The Trinity, four times again. There was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they're in this love triangle. God the Father is in love with the Son. The Son is in love with the Spirit. The Spirit is in love with the Father, and it's this dance of heaven. And just like Shay and I, when we are at the height of our love and the height of who we are, we decided to make Lola, to have Lola come into the world. It wasn't because we felt emptiness. It was because our love was so full. And because our love was so full, we created in the same way God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, out of their love that was so full, they created the earth. So Jesus is equal to God. Thirdly, Jesus enters the story. He was in the beginning. 
Jesus was involved in the beginning, that the story of the world was planned and articulated with Jesus. This gives us great hope and introduces us to the main character of life, Jesus Christ. The word enters the story. Secondly, well, actually, right before I go to that, the Proverbs, you know, we had Solomon, right? But let's think of Solomon's dad. He had something to say about the word. In Psalm chapter 107, verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord of his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. I love that. Solomon's daddy understood that the word of God brings about healing. Though the Israelites were by the gates of hell and death and damnation and nothing good could come out of any of it, then he sent forth his word in the physical form of Jesus Christ. And his words healed them. The centurion says, if you only speak the word, my servant would be healed. Jesus says, I have never seen greater faith than all of Jerusalem, out of all the Jews. And this is a Roman centurion. You speak the word. Here's the interesting thing. The reason why we wrap our lives around the word of life is because it is an echo of something of substance, which is God. When we meander from the words of life, when we walk away from the words of life, we allow ourselves to remove ourselves from substance. When we hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, for whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And when we allow that to hit who we are and we speak that out loud, and other people's ears hear that word because that phrase has substance and it is truth from the beginning of time. People's lives change. How many people here lives changed by the truth of the Bible? Raise your hand. It's not just cheap talk. This talk has weight to it. Because God is so true that he does not lie. He doesn't fabricate. He doesn't make things up. You know, some people can embellish a little bit. Anything he says is true and therefore it manipulates and transforms our very world that we see. He says there's light. Light's on. He says, crippled man, walk. Walks. This is the word of life. John 1, 3-4, Jesus the starter. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. It's a funny way of saying it. It's like, he made all the short people. And not any of the other people in the world were made, but also tall people were made as well. You're like, you could have just said he made everything. And they're like, nah, we're going to say it this way. And I say, okay, 
Sounds good to me. All things were made through him, and without him was anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, C.S. Lewis had another quote. C.S. Lewis is so quotable, and I, I really love his work. He says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I can see that the sun is risen, but by, by the sun being out, but because of it, by it, I see everything else. So I believe in Christianity not only because I can see it, but because of it, I can see everything else, just like the sun. Does that make sense? If we believe in Jesus, we start understanding why the world isn't the way it should be, why there is sin in the world, why things are so ripped apart, why our lives feel like we can't get a handle on things. Many of you are struggling with anxiety, and I get it, because the opposite of faith is control, and a deep fear of losing control produces anxiety. Jesus says, I have meat that you do not know of. I have wealth that you do not know of. You constantly look at your job for you to have security, but this is the true security, the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, uh uh-oh, what's the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Out of the word of God. You say, Josh, no, it's my brain. No, no, God gave you that brain. My brain got me this. Your, your job wasn't given to you because of how smart you are, your intellect. No, 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 I got my job by the connections I had. Those connections, every molecule of those people were spoken to existence by Jesus. Oh, what, what needless cares we, we, we carry because we don't carry to God those things in prayer. Because we like control. And man, if you could just take this book as if it was somebody having their hands with you and you would just grab it and hold on to it. And when you hold on to the when you hold on to the words of life and you hold it, but it's like you're holding someone's hands right now and you're saying, Talk to me, words of life. Speak. Pour out into my heart and into my mind. Renew me. So we see that he's the starter, Jesus the maker. If Jesus we see that all things were made through him and nothing else was made without him. Jesus is the maker. If Jesus is involved in making all things, that means that he created us. That nothing on this earth, um, um, that nothing on, this, uh, on earth is not his and nothing that is made does not have an indelible mark from him. You like music? That has his fingerprint on it. You like food? Guess what? Spoiler alert. But when he comes down to create his new kingdom, there is going to be a banquet. And it is going to be a huge party. You know how everyone says, I don't want to go to heaven because, you know, in hell, there's going to be a huge party down there. That's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that we are going to be brought to the banqueting table. I think the word banquet is getting a comeback, by the way. I don't know if you've heard that. You see Coors Light, they're calling themselves the banquet beer. And they're doing all this branding in it. I think banquet is coming back. And we have to get ready, church, because it's all about... Being a part of foretaste of glory divine. That when we come together, when we went over to Phil and Julie's the other day, and we had um, brunch with a whole church, how awesome was that to eat 
food together. That is a foretaste of what we're going to do for eternity. And anything that you love, it has a fingerprint, the indelible mark from the creator who was there at the beginning. And actually everything was made Jesus Christ. It says in first, um, for, uh, not first, Colossians 1.15 that Jesus holds all things together. If your life is feeling like it's falling apart, it's because you're not using the right glue. Guys, take heart when your life is falling apart because God is saying, I have you exactly where I want you. If you had it all together, you wouldn't need me. Oh, he's the maker. Secondly, Jesus the motive. Jesus is the reason we move and breathe and have our being, it says. Without Jesus, something would not exist. He is the source to the existence. Out of the relationship of the Trinity is where we receive life. And then thirdly, Jesus manifests. It says this, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. We would think it would be this. In him was light, and that light is the life of men. Because that concept of light is revelation, it's the enlightenment, it's you understanding new truth. And when you understand new truth, like Taco Bell is bad for you, you don't go to Taco Bell because you have that truth. Right? And it prolongs your life. But the paradox is flipped. He says, no. He says, in him was life, the ability to create life, to make life appear where it looks like it's gone. We're going to learn that with Lazarus. Lazarus come forth. Though he'd been dead for four days, he rose up and came back to life. But he's saying this, because of his life, that is what's going to enlighten your mind. I love this. Because that means you don't truly have to really understand all the facets of theology to obtain this life. That his life comes to you. It changes your life. And then the light bulb turns on and all you want to start doing is seeing how the sun shines and you say, man, I can see everything else because of this life. Do you see that? I mean, that's huge. And, and, and maybe it's too bright of a truth because all week long I've been just jaw-dropping, slack-jawed, looking at this verse being like, huh? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. If you have been feeling dull and dim, look no further than Jesus Christ, the word of life. If he is spoken by your lips and you hear it and you believe in your heart, this is the gospel for the Christian, not just for the person that doesn't believe. It's good news, not for a person that is running towards hell as fast as they can, but it is good news for the Christian who has been going through trial after trial after trial. Amen? Amen. It says, Jesus reveals the potential in the darkness of men and women's lives. Where darkness is, life reveals the potential of life because light comes into the darkness and this is the last point Jesus the star the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it I love how it's how it's articulated here Jesus is the brightest light and the last one of the last portions of scripture before the Jews go into exile and the Jews go in for, for 500 years into a dark period before we pick back up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was this prophecy that said this, But for those who fear my name, 
the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness will come with healings in his wings. And you shall go forth again, and you shall skip about like calves. You're like, I don't want to skip like a cat. (laughs) But if you want to do a little fun homework later, go on YouTube and type in cows getting left, being able to go out from being closed in. Type that in. That's going to be you. You're going to look it up and be like, that's what Josh is talking about. That's a little (laughs) bonus feature. He talks about Jesus as the son of righteousness. We know that he is the son of God, but it's the S-U-N, the star. The brightest star, the sun, to where everything shines. That darkness will not have its way or the last word. Who has the last word? The word of life. Because even when we tried to extinguish it, when darkness tried to extinguish it completely, this star, Jesus the star, on the cross 2,000 years ago, when he was hanging there, just grasping his very breath, and that it went all dark. Darkness tried to extinguish the light. But guess what? Death is defeated. Death committed suicide. Death was dealt a death blow when it tried to kill the sacrifice for the whole world. On the darkest day, the Son of Righteousness came back three days later and he shined on the hearts of men, you and me, all of us, 2,000 years later, are singing his praises, are singing glory, glory, hallelujah. Jesus has done it. He has risen from the dead. The darkness tried to overcome it. So now, a couple points of application. A couple. One is this. If Jesus is at the start, if you are having a problem and saying, I don't know how to figure out my life, I'm trying to figure out things, go to the start. Don't go to self-help books to people that start, you know, 20, 30 years of knowledge. Let's get some throwback in, and let's go to the very word of God, into the word of life, and say, what do you think my existence should be? What do you think I should do today? How are you going to be involved with my life? Go to the start. T.S. Eliot says, in the end is my beginning. He has that on his tombstone. In his end, his death is his beginning. Life. If we could just grasp this beautiful, lofty concept that Jesus the star, the son of righteousness, that though darkness might try to come after us, there is hope. Hope is the expectation of coming good. That no, how, no matter how dark your situation is, the Son of Righteousness is glowing. The Son of Righteousness is coming. The Son of Righteousness is not only resurrecting himself from the grave, but he is creating more stars. Wait, what do you mean more stars? Well, Abraham, right? The man of faith. He says, he says if you obey me, Abraham, and walk in faith. Your descendants shall shine like the stars in the heaven. Abraham did not know that he was obsessing over having just one son that he could keep alive. He says, you don't understand. You are going to have multiple descendants, and they're going to shine like stars in the sky. And the reason why we can shine is because Jesus supernova 
on that day when he was crucified, creating tons and tons and tons of people cut from his very cloth. That the people that were dead, his resurrection power did not just grow, bring him from the dead, right? Because it says this, that the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead is raising you today. And the application is this. Will you, one, receive the word of life into your heart, into your mind, into your situations, no matter how dark? Two, how will you respond? Will you shine like the stars in the heaven? I think that's, that DC talks on. I don't know why. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. It's a verse two. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Would you shine? The word of life spoke life into existence, and that is the light of man. His death turned into life, and guess what? It's our light. We're now shining. And don't hide it. Don't hide it today. So, um, we're going to pray. Um, there's communion in the back. We believe at Everwell Church that he said, do this often in remembrance of me. And I think often is every time we meet. So, we're going to do this often. And we have to remember what the body and the blood symbolize. The body was broken so that our, our, our lives could be made whole. Right? The blood that was shed, if there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And his blood was shed so that we might have a pure conscience, sprinkled by his blood. We're also, in the second song, going to give um, tithes and offerings. And that's just our time to give our first to God, saying, you have given me so much. I realize that you don't want the money out of my pocket. You just want the idols out of my heart. Right? That's what we give out of generosity. And this is the thing. Jesus loves a cheerful giver. So if it's not a cheerful thing for you, don't do it. Don't feel guilt. That's dumb. But if God's like, oh man, God's done something in my life, I'm going to give because he who sows will reap. It's invested in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. So would you, would you bow your head with me? God, you have then at the beginning, oh, God, you were one with God. And, and God, everything is made by you and through you and for you. And you hold all things together. You can hold our little feeble lives that feel like tissue paper that can be ripped apart by any person or by any circumstance or by anything. And it just seems so helpless. But when we realize that the main character, the star of the story of life, is not us, but is Jesus. He is the very source of life. And if we need to be recharged and renewed and firmed up and reformed by the refiner's fire, we go no further than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, may we live for him who died for us. May we sing for the one whose voice cried out, it is finished. We thank you, we praise you in your name.